Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, we're talking about lots of different movies, including The Bike Riders, The Zone of Interest, and Saltburn. Film critic Russell Miller returns to the show for this episode, and both of us have been attending some film festivals lately, so we're going to talk through the festivals and all of the films we saw there. Stick around. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to Art House Garage. We're going to talk about some film festivals. Both myself and today's guest have been able to attend some festivals lately. So we're going to go through festival by festival, film by film, and give our brief reactions to each. My guest today is my friend, Russell Miller. He's a film critic based in North Carolina, and he seemingly never tires of watching movies. He's a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association and the International Film Society Critics. And he's also a contributor at MoviesWeTextedAbout.com. Russell Miller, welcome back to the podcast, and how are you? Hey, Andrew, always a pleasure to chat movies with you off yeah. of our phones. <laughs> yeah, we're texting about movies all the time. But I mean, as you're about to hear, listeners, uh, Russell watches a lot more movies than I do, and I watch you know more than most people. Um, so I'm excited to to get into this. We have, we're always texting about what we're watching, and lately you've been gone to a few different festivals and just seen a lot of things. I was like, man, we should just do a podcast where we talk through these things each briefly. So that's kind of what we're going to do. Um, and we're going to go back and forth. Uh, you've been to three different festivals lately. I've really been to one that's kind of split into two parts. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I guess without further ado, let's get into it. And then we'll talk May, December after that. Uh, so you first, what was the festival you went to first? And what did you see there? Uh, so the first <clears throat> festival I attended was right here in Charlotte. I didn't have to go very far. At the, uh, the one uh, not-for-profit cinema that we've got, it's like a brand new uh, theater they built in kind of an eclectic part of Charlotte. Nice. Um, the Independent Picture House. It's a really nice new theater, and uh, so they. I, I know the guys that uh, that own the theater. They gave me a tour while it was still like under construction and stuff. And That's it's, awesome. wow. it's a cool theater. Um, and they host the, um, the Charlotte Film Festival. So this year, uh, the two um, big movies that I was able to catch there, uh, the first one was Perfect Days, and then the second one was Robot Dreams, which are both um, neon titles. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the first one I was able to watch, Perfect Days, is the new, uh, it's a Japanese, it's a foreign film, um, and almost completely spoken Japanese with little bits of English sprinkled in here and there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, new film by Wim, uh, Wim Wenders and kind of like the king of the art house movie. He directed Paris, Texas, which is generally considered to be one of the greatest art house movies ever. 
Um, but this is um, this is very much an art house movie. I, I it's difficult for me to like talk about it too extensively just because um, I don't want to sh- like scare people off of it, especially mm. if you you know want to maybe like give an art house movie a try. Um, this is a very slow paced film that goes over the, um, the intricacies of this man's life. He lives in Tokyo. He's a Japanese man and, uh, he works, um, for a company cleaning toilets Hmm. like, and you spend a lot of time watching this man clean toilets. (laughs) Like, wow. Like, it, so so like yeah immediately like a lot of people are like next movie what do you want to talk about, <laughs> talk about next um no i i found this movie utterly fascinating and the longer it goes since i've seen this movie the more i think about it and the more it kind of stays in my mind like um like uh the one of our favorite movies from last year um after yang Mm, um yeah it just kind of like sits with you and makes you contemplate uh some things about life um the the entire first act of this movie is just you watching this man's routine like he gets up in the morning and he does a lot of these things and you get to see it several times over where he just he folds his blankets he waters his plants he has a little like garden of, of little trees um he just goes about his day. He gets uh, his teeth brushed and goes to work. And, but one of the things that I picked up on right away um, is every morning when he steps outside his front door and he lives in just this like kind of small upstairs, downstairs, kind of like t- town home, but real kind of like small. There's not really a whole lot in it other than like some bookshelves and like some shelves with like some cassette tapes. Um, but every morning he comes outside, you know, like bright and early, the sun's not even up in the sky. And he just kind of like looks up into the sky and like breathes a, a you know, a, hmm. a, a lungs full of air and kind of smiles to himself that, and you get the impression as the movie goes on that this is like, the most content man on the planet. Mm -hmm. This man has, he doesn't have any family, no wife, no kids that we, that we know of in the film, but he is just at peace with himself and with everything he does and his surroundings, where he's at in life, how much money he makes, like everything he's like just at peace and he's content with. And as the movie goes on, like some different things happen, some, some different people come into his life and, and kind of give you like some perspective of, um, his sister, uh, is just like one, one event that happens later. She, she comes to visit him and she drives like this real fancy car. And you can see that she, just from like the way that she talks to him and, and, treats him that she looks down on his life mm. like that he's not rich she's obviously got a chauffeur and she drives this expensive car but she looks down on him 
And that kind of gives you that perspective of like, okay, this man is happy, but he doesn't have hardly anything. He does a lot of reading. He reads books at nights before he goes to bed. And he doesn't have a TV. He doesn't own a lot of, you know, things, but he's just so happy. He's just so content. And the more I think about the movie, the more I love it. And I would encourage anybody that enjoys those type of movies to make it a priority. I don't believe it's out in many theaters yet. Um, <clears throat> outside the festival circuit, it's made its rounds. Um, but that is one that, um, you know, if those kind of things you, you, you dig on or you're looking for, you know, some of the meanings behind what, what a director is trying to say, that one is chock full of, like, goodness. It's a really fantastic movie. I can't say enough good things about it. But I know, like, especially there's a couple of people that as they were leaving the movie theater with me, um, you know, like young guys that were just like, yeah, that wasn't my type of movie. That's, uh, <laughs> that was bored. <laughs> yeah. So, but Interesting. Um, well, you, you definitely haven't scared me off and, uh, I've seen, I've only seen one Wilmender's film actually wings of desire, but I loved it. And so I'm definitely excited to check that out. Yeah. He's, he's a fantastic director. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was the first movie that I got to watch out at the Charlotte film festival. Um, the next one was Robot Dreams. I went back with my boys, and um, that was their closing night movie. And that movie is such a delight. It's such a nice movie. There's no spoken dialogue in the movie really? at all. You just follow this dog. And so it's an animated movie. You, you follow this dog. He's lonely. He sees people like, you know, hanging out and he wants to have a friend. So he orders this robot and he build the, the robot comes, he builds the robot and the robot and him become great friends. And then, so basically, I mean, it's hard to spoil. Like, I don't really feel like spoiling animated movies is spoiling animated movies, <laughs> but basically like yeah. the robot gets stuck one day his battery runs out and he can't move the robot. The robot's too heavy. So the robot stays um, at the beach and they close the beach for the winter. And so the, the movie separates the two. You want these two mm -hmm. to be together and they, they can't be the robot's stuck at the beach. The dog has to go home. Can't, he can't get the robot off of there until the next until the next year and so the movie into the second and the third act follows these two the dog what's happening with the dog the robot what's happening with the robot as um and as the film progresses all you want is to see them get back together in the end <clears throat> well i i'm not going to spoil the ending <laughs> okay um, but me and my kids both liked it and my kids have been asking about watching it again. Nice. My, my little one was... wants to see it again, but I will say, um, so, so <laughs> you might get a kick out of this. So the, the director's name is Pablo Berger. Um, mm -hmm. and my, my older son 
has learned in like watching movies that the director, the director is the one that makes the decisions. He's the one that like, you know, um, decide what happens and, and what doesn't happen in, in the end. And so we stayed for the credits of the movie because we were hoping they would have like an additional scene. Mm. And when, when my older son saw the, the director's name, he's like, he's like, Pablo Berger, why did you leave the ending like that? <laughs> so That's amazing. The ending um, won't be to everybody's taste, but you know that it, it's it's more of like an appreciation of life doesn't always go the way you want it sometimes. Mm, yeah. um, but you can still find happiness in in what you do have, type of a situation. So now I probably just spoiled it, but. i knew nothing about it so that uh that sounds it was great it was a delightful little movie i I mean in another year it should be getting a nomination for a best animated feature but this year is just so stacked i don't see how it's yeah there's so much animation this year yeah i don't think um got a shot to break in but like i was gonna ask like it kept your kids attention without any dialogue because oh, i think yeah. that sounds yeah, it, tough it, it, for my kids i don't know flows so i uh, i mean you know there are little bits and pieces here that you have to to read like you know things mm. that he's putting together or you know you have to understand um you know but uh again it was just um a super sweet sentimental little animated movie that um i really i really liked it a lot man i'm definitely gonna have to check that out well so is that everything for charlotte yeah those are the two movies i only got to see a couple of them at the charlotte film festival charlotte film festival is a little bit of a smaller festival um it only runs like uh, i think four days maybe and i got Mm -hmm. to see the, the closing night movies of the weekend saturday and sunday so nice well, I guess I'm up and a similar, uh, the, the, it's really one festival that I went to, but they split it into two weekends. It's called Filmland. It happens here in Little Rock where I live and it's um, done by the Arkansas Cinema Society. And they always have like a section of Filmland Arkansas where they do some Arkansas local films and that kind of thing. And they also have workshops for filmmakers. So it's very much like for filmmakers. Um, but they had so much Arkansas stuff this year. They split it in two and did kind of Filmland Arkansas one weekend. And then the second weekend was just like regular Filmland and they had some, some like bigger name things. Um, so first Filmland Arkansas, I'll talk about, they do a lot of short films. I won't go through all the ones I saw, but a few that are interesting to, if anyone who's listened to a lot of episodes of this podcast, you might've heard me talk to Texas Smith. He sort of, I think the short was sort of like, directed by committee uh, but he was part of that and it's called chronicle of a summer day and it's looking at this artist who puts together this floral installation for juneteenth and it's really beautiful it's shot amazingly well so that showed and i I talked to him on this podcast some months ago as he was uh, just getting getting that released Um, but really loved seeing that on the big screen it was great another one that i've also talked on this podcast with the filmmakers of is called the memo from Blair H. and Walt Peterson. And this one is about an actual memo that you can read on the internet that was leaked in some documents about a meeting two people had sort of, you know, quote unquote, proving the existence of UFOs and like some behind the scenes stuff. And so they've made a a film kind of dramatizing what happens in that memo. And it's really interesting and pretty compelling. So uh, that was cool. 
And then another one that I just really liked is called Buy, Sell, Trade. Uh, the director's name is Gabriel Coulier and uh, follows a, a man and his young daughter. And they're going around to pawn shops trying to sell things. And, you know, the daughter's learning some life lessons you might not want your kid to learn that young and that kind of thing. But I thought it was really moving. Uh, so those are the shorts I'll mention, but there's a bunch of others. Um, and then the Arkansas Features. One is called Daughter of the White River. That's directed by Denise Parkinson. And this is like an Arkansas history documentary, which I don't know. Anytime I see a history documentary, I'm like, oh, that sounds boring. But then when I watch it, I'm so interested. <laughs> this was really good. Uh, the White River runs through Arkansas, and there's been a lot of controversy around a particular bridge that was demolished a few years back. But it talks about it talks to a lot of people in the community and how that affected them and the importance of this river in Arkansas and you know, river people that live in houseboats and it was really really interesting actually i'm going to talk about jeff nichols in a little bit um, but his film mud has like houseboat people sort of that subculture is what this movie was about uh, so that one was really good and then the other two i'm going to mention i actually got to do the q a so they often do a, a filmmaker q a um, and they invited me to do it, which was so cool. I've gotten to know the people that run this festival over the years. Um, the first one was called Ghosts of the Void, and that's directed by Jason Miller, an Arkansas filmmaker. And this one is really good. It's a horror movie about um, a couple that has just basically had to move out of their house because they can't afford rent anymore. So they're living in their car for the first night. And you also realize gradually that their relationship has some big issues and also there are some hooligans some someone in the wood that's in the woods near where they're parked that starts to terrorize them and there's like creepy masks and stuff really really well done like very small budget um but i think that will hopefully get like streaming at some point and highly recommend that especially for horror fans and then the other one starred an arkansas actor named damon mckinnis uh who's a really great he's a director and actor and he's done some short films that i've really appreciated um oh and speaking of ghost of the void so then after the film i talked to jason miller and got to do the thing on stage which was so fun and had a great q a uh but then for this other film with damon mckinnis it's called unfix and it's about uh a man who went through conversion therapy many years ago and is that's having uh, effects in his life now and damon mckinnis plays a younger a young man that's part of the story um and damon's a, a really wonderful actor i really enjoyed talking with him about it and uh yeah so that that was my my experience with film in arkansas uh getting to do some some onstage live q a's you know i love interviewing people on the podcast so getting to do that that's like the third or fourth time i got to do that uh on stage and that's been a lot of fun oh and then there was one thing there was a workshop that i went to it was about entertainment law which was so interesting he basically went through the whole the process of making a movie and like the legal things you need to think about this doesn't really apply to me but it was super interesting um so yeah so that was cool and that was basically everything for filmland arkansas very nice uh up next for you is nashville right yep so i flew into nashville and uh, basically just like walked around the city for the entire day and watched um, three of the movies that they had and then flew back out the like following nice. morning. Um, so it was like real quick trip. Um, but I got to see the first movie that I got to see was the finish. Um, I, I believe it's the finished submission for the Oscars. It's called Fallen Leaves, um, which is like a 19... 
Well, it, so it's it's set modern day, but it's mm. really like aesthetically designed to look like the 60s or the 70s. It looks like a Grease or a Saturday Night Live, like all mm. the costumes, all the, the way they act, the way that it's shot. This movie looks like it could have been pulled out of, you know, that that era. <laughs> and so it's really kind of a, a, a trippy thing to see that it it starts the movie and says that it's happening present day. And there's like references. You can hear her listen, listen to the radio. It's, you can hear the Ukraine war news reports and mm. stuff. So it's wow. it's kind of wild um, yeah. once you but once you kind of settle into what it's doing, you know, you can kind of like keep pace with it a little bit better but so it's from the uh finnish filmmaker aki karismaki and um yeah so it's it's mostly foreign language with again like some english sprinkled in when they talk about the war on the radio you can you can kind of understand that um but uh but it introduces us to these two people um she her name is ansa and the guy's name is Holapa. And, you know, they um, finally, like after you kind of meet their characters, kind of find out what they're all about, they're just kind of lone, <clears throat> lonely, not really like doing much of anything, very simple lives. But they finally meet and uh, they finally go out to a movie together they go to see um the uh 2019 movie the dead don't die with adam (laughs) driver and bill murray i've never seen that movie (laughs) i've heard it's not a great movie but uh, (laughs) they go and watch this movie together and uh it, it it the fallen leaves it gets pretty amusing and quite funny at times it has some really um shining moments uh, where these two are just they connect so well they've got a great chemistry on screen and uh and so you want them to be together after the movie she gives him her phone number he goes to put in his black leather jacket pocket and it slips out and you just watch this phone number blow down the street and you know and it's gone he doesn't realize it and so he has no way of contacting her. Mm. And so he goes back to the movie theater, uh, you know, like night after night and just stands there smoking his cigarettes, waiting for her to like maybe come back to the movies. She mm. sits at home wondering why. It, it, so it plays out like <laughs> an affair to remember or sleepless in Seattle. Mm. Like, or, or I was just talking about robot dreams, you know, like you want these two to get together. But, you know, the, the screenwriters are, like, making sure that you don't get what you want, at least not right away. <laughs> um, but it is a delightful little, like, rom-com, uh, you know, if, if you can uh, stand the subtitles for the foreign films. This is a, a really nice movie that um, I was overall pretty high on. And, uh, yeah, it uh, it's getting submitted to the Oscars, so that should tell you something about the, the quality of the film. It was a it was a good one. I really enjoyed Fallen Leaves. Nice. Yeah, I've heard the title, but I didn't know anything about it. So glad to get a little rundown. I have to make sure I see that. Um, the next one that I saw was a documentary that's actually from North Carolina uh, called oh, yeah. Silver Dollar Road. Um, I oh, think yes. It's I've Amazon. heard of this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and it was an interesting doc. I wouldn't say it was like a, a you know, a great one. Um, I, it will have absolutely no chance of making the Oscars because it's a little, um, it's a little kind of overblown and uh, runs a little bit long. Uh, but basically, like it sets up this this family lives, uh, like on the coast um, of North Carolina, and the road that they the, the, this whole family lives on, and and none of these houses are like high quality high end houses, basically. They, you know, like during, after the civil war, like certain families were allotted spaces mm -hmm. to basically live and have land. And, um, you know, so the property taxes aren't high. A lot of the houses are in disrepair and they're just not like, you know, but people want to live there now. Like they go in and they mow everything down and they set up these like huge, you know, like condos and developments and stuff. And people want to be on the ocean. They want to be on the water. Mm -hmm. So certain areas, they're just kind of like clearing out and setting up these nice homes and the taxes go through the roof. Mm -hmm. Well, they want to, like, there's these companies that are trying to do that with this, this family and this story uh, that live on Silver Dollar Road. And this one guy at some point in the family, like, couple decades ago sold some property um that he may or may not have had the rights to sell to mm. this company so this company comes in and starts trying to get these people evicted and two of these guys just they don't have anywhere else to go and so they this company gets like trespassing charges put on these people and the police come and eventually take them to jail. And the story follows this, you know, this family, just the, the fallout basically of the rest of this family is just kind of left there as like their uncle. And uh, I, I think they're both uncles. They don't have wives and children, I believe. Uh, but these two guys basically get evicted from their two homes that fall into this section of property that this company is trying to take over. The family is trying to fight to, to, you know, in the courts to get this land back. And mm. all the while, these two guys just like sit in prison for trespassing mm. for years. In their own home. Mm. They literally spend the most time in prison for trespassing that anybody has ever spent in prison for trespassing. Like it's wow. kind of wild um, that, you know, something like that is can like happen in this day and age um but uh but again i thought it could have been cut down a little bit it it, it was trying to like kind of drive home that and, and um you know the whole like all the family and all their efforts and everything that they're doing it was a well put together documentary but um you know i won't go too far as to say it was one of my favorites or you know like one of the great ones of the year that i've seen so far but it was very interesting and um and a compelling story and you feel so bad that you know these people have to go through like these type yeah. of nightmare scenarios you know so the gentrification horror story yeah it sounds like yeah but um wow but yeah and so i saw that in the middle of the national festival and the one that i closed with was the movie foe um mm -hmm. the new film from uh i think is 
it's Gareth Edwards. Is that his name? The guy that did Lion? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Does that sound correct? Um, so, yeah, Foe with Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal. Like, those are both two of the hottest people that you can get to. Oh, sorry, it's Garth Davis. Garth Davis. Garth Davis. Garth, Garth Davis. I, don't, I don't know why I had the words in my head. Who did, who did make Lion and Top of the Lake. Okay, all right, gotcha. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, Lion obviously was an Oscar Best Picture nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, Saoirse Ronan, Paul Mescal. People had a lot of expectations for this movie. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was... It was an interesting premise. Um, so basically the setting is that it's 2065 and things are going real, real poorly for us here on, on planet earth. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> so the movie is, the movie is, it, it kind of is compared, like a lot of people have compared it to interstellar where they're living on this farm, hmm. but there's this event that's kind of like happening in the background. That's like, so, so the premise is that um, they're sending people into space to start trying to like get a good beat on colonizing the moon and outer space because things we, we, we're basically wrecking the planet and um, you know things are go, going south for us here. So they come in to take Paul Mescal's character. Uh, I think his name is Junior in the movie. They they come to take him. Um, up to this space station for two years, the government's going to like compensate him, but uh, you know, he's going to be a part of this test program. And at the beginning of the movie, they, uh, they talk with this government uh, guy that uh, was really uh, pretty fantastic. I mean, his name was Aaron Pierce um, or I'm sorry, Aaron Pierre. He was really, um, he did some really impressive work um, as far as like the character and his assignment, um, you know, as far as the, like what he has to do in the film. Um, I really enjoyed his character and his, the acting that he brought to the table. Um, but, uh, but oh, he he's plays, assigned... <laughs> sorry, what? I just looked up. He's in, he's in the underground railroad show, but he's also in that movie old he plays the rapper named Midsize yes. Sedan, which I always thought yeah, was the funniest rapper name ever. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, um, he does a fantastic job in this movie. Um, but the rest of it is, uh, the movie's a bit of a mess, to be honest. Other than mm-hmm. the premise and, and some of the things that were were okay, um, yeah, this, this movie is kind of all over the place. Um, and while there are elements, the cinematography, there are some sequences that are incredibly well done. Um, but it, it gets too caught up in it. It's trying to like, kind of keep the, the, you know, the wool over your eyes as far as some of the twists that it's interested in, in pulling off at the end. And so it's like got its cards held tight to its chest throughout most of the runtime. But then it starts laying its cards on the table and you're like, okay, all right. Um, but it, it, they, they kind of don't land, honestly, like for all that you go through and, and the way the movie is selling some of the stuff that's transpiring. Um, for instance, 
um, the the Mescal character, while while um, while he's supposed to be going into space, they are going to bring some sort of a humanoid replica, either a clone or an AI machine. It's not really explained to you what exactly he is. They're going to bring a duplicate into their life to be with Saoirse Ronan's character so that she's not lonely and she's got somebody there to do all the chores and go to work for him while he's gone in space. And so they're kind of wrestling with this idea of like, okay, you know, if you're going, you know, I don't want to have to deal with this situation. And, and it's, again, without getting into a lot of the kind of the details of the plot to spoil the twists, um, it, it just didn't come together all that well. And the movie ended like, three different times. Like I, I, I would, I thought there was like a couple of sequences. I was like, oh, okay, that's like a decent place to end the movie on. But then it would just like keep going for another like 10 <laughs> minutes. And then there'd be another like kind of soft ending. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. come on. And then it would like keep going for another few minutes. I'm like, what are you doing to me here? <laughs> and it just became more of a frustrating experience by the yeah. end of it that although the movie had some good elements and there will be some, some things that people like, um, but yeah, I mean, it just wasn't a great movie all in all. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was faux. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn again and I'm going to talk about Filmland now. So this was the following weekend. And uh, so they, every year they have some pretty big names come like they've had Adam driver and Jessica Chastain. Mostly it's people that have worked with Jeff Nichols, Jeff Nichols who directed loving and mud and take shelter He's from Arkansas, went to Little Rock Central High. So he's, you know, he started this society, the Cinema Society here. Um, And so, yeah, it's it's always a fun time. Um, So he has a new film out this year, The Bike Riders. It's like a big, Mm -hmm. which actually a few days after it screened, it was announced that it's being delayed because of the strikes. Mm. So it's actually not coming out till next year, which is a a bummer for everyone. Oh, I Um, haven't heard that yet. Yeah, so that was a big bombshell news that was like two days after the screening. Um, But because it's like, oh, we have our our person who helped start the society. He's got this new movie. They did a big Arkansas premiere. They had like dinner and a band, live band and some like it's about motorcycle gangs. So the motorcycles were there. So I'll talk about all that in a minute. Um, But because of that, they also flew in a film critic named Peter de Bruges, who's one of the chief film critics at variety, like pretty big deal in the film critic world. So he was there and he did, they did workshops again and they did a workshop about film criticism where Jeff Nichols kind of interviewed him. And that was super interesting for me. Um, And he talked about, you know, kind of his process of reviewing movies and um, a little bit of like how he got into the role he's in. And uh, yeah, it was really fascinating. So that was cool. And some of it was just like affirming. It's like, oh, I do that too when I'm reviewing a movie. Uh, so that was cool. But then um, they also did a workshop on directing. With, it was just Jeff Nichols basically for an hour and a half, just like lecture style, what his process is start to finish kind of. And it was really interesting. Um, again, more geared towards filmmakers, but it, was, it felt like I was listening to a podcast. You know, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the cool workshops they did. And then I'll go through each of the films. 
I missed this first film, but I'm going to mention it anyway because it's been getting a lot of good buzz. It's a documentary called Lady Bird Diaries that is about Lady Bird Johnson, the first lady of Lyndon B. Johnson, who apparently was a very fascinating character, historical figure. And uh, I keep seeing more and more articles about it. I'm like, man, I'm kicking myself for missing that one. But that played. And I think some of the producers were here for Q&A on that. And then also a film called Nyad played which is, uh, I didn't see it at this festival, but I actually had already seen it. They did a press screening. And that is a film about Diana Nyad, who is uh, a woman. So it's not a documentary. It's a, uh, she's played in the film by Annette Benning, but she swam from Cuba to Florida. Um, and the it's, so it's this very kind of inspirational. Have you watched Nyad, by the way? No, I haven't seen, gotten to see that one yet. It's this very inspirational, true life story. Annette Benning plays her and uh, Jodie Foster plays her best friend. And she was this kind of superstar swimmer when she's in her 20s and 30s, attempted this swim at the age of 30 and failed. And then 30 years later, now she's 60 years old and she's like, I'm going to do it. And so it's like this resolve later in life and all of that. Mm-hmm. So again, very inspirational. Uh, it is directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai. Uh, if I can pronounce this right, I'm well, sorry. Well, sorry the viewers will go crazy for it. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. So, but Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarelli, if I'm saying that right, um, they directed um, Free Solo. Right. And, uh, and so, and like Jimmy Chin, I think is known for his like sports photography. So this film looks great. Like the swimming stuff looks great. And um, all in all, I thought this movie was like, fine it was like it um i wish it had been i I feel like they could have done some things to make it a little more edgy a little more exciting Mm -hmm. it's pretty run-of-the-mill like sports biopic but very inspirational sticks the landing i teared up a little we got the music swelling i really uh, thought it was mostly pretty good but not one i'm just super excited about but that's already streaming on netflix if that sounds up your alley jodie foster and Annette benning are both really good on it as well i'll mention and yeah a lot of a lot of good swimming stuff uh, so that is Nyad. And the next one, uh, which I also had already seen, but so I didn't see it at this festival, but I have seen it. It's called Hard Miles. And that is an Arkansas director named Daniel Hanna, RJ Daniel Hanna goes by. And I saw this at the Bentonville Festival. And I really thought a lot of it. it's also a sports movie, which I don't know, sports movies are not like my bread and butter, not my favorite thing. But I really thought this was great. Um, and it stars Matthew Modine, who he's pretty famous in his own right but if you don't recognize that name you've probably seen him on stranger things he plays papa the the villain of stranger things um and but he was like in the 90s using the west wing and stuff um but he plays a social worker who loves cycling and he works at this like school for troubled youths sort of and um you know loves the kids and all of that and he's taking the, his plan is to take this vacation and go cycling on his own but then through a series of events the school needs, you know, an inspirational story for, to get funding and all that takes some of these kids with him. Um, and they're, you know, they've been in and out of prison. And so they're not like, they're, they're sort of rough characters, I guess. Um, and it's really sweet. And like, it, I think it does. So like if Nyad is like very exactly what you expect, hard miles is not exactly what I expected. And some of those, um, you know, th- stereotypes you think about in a sports movie it, i think it subverted some of those in a way that was uh, really exciting so i really liked it also has a small role from sean astin he plays like the bike shop guy so he's in there and then also um um i think leslie david baker has a small role you 
no one probably knows that name or not a lot of people do but he plays stanley on the office so you, you know his face oh, wow. for sure yeah so he's like the principal at the school um and then the the young actors who play the like the the kids in the school are really all very good and then he's also uh his sort of co-worker so fellow social worker cynthia k mcwilliams plays hattie who was totally new to me but she's really fantastic in this as well so yeah hard miles very good i missed the screening of this one um but and, and there was a q a so which i'm sure was great uh, but i did see the q a at bentonville for this film and matthew modine was there actually which was fun um so anyway then uh the two so those are the three films i did not see at this festival but there's two more one is called eric larue and this is a very interesting film it is the directorial debut of michael shannon the actor mm -hmm. who of course is good friends with jeff nichols has been in like all of his movies um and actually it was cool because uh jeff nichols was like i basically owe my career to michael shannon who took a chance and being in his first film and um yeah so that's that's a cool they have a, just a cool relationship uh, this movie is very strange uh, i ultimately like it it's called eric larue it is about subject matter is very heavy it's a school shooting has happened before the movie starts and it's about the mother of the shooter um and she is played <clears throat> excuse me by blanking on her name suddenly so i'm looking it up um by judy greer who's fantastic in this and you know, I, I know originally from Arrested Development, it's like doing these comedic things, but she's done drama stuff lately and she's really, really good. Um, and she, so she's obviously going through a lot and like the, the parents of the victims are in their community. They know each other. Um, the, 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 this movie's really funny, which is, you wouldn't expect, like there's a lot of humor in it. I was going to say, um, does it play like mass? Because. Um, not at all. Um, which yeah. is very like. You're just like sitting there like stone faced to the entirety. Of the run. Yeah, not at all. So if you've seen mass, it, it very similar subject matter, obviously, but like very different it's movie. Different like direction. mass is all in one yeah. room and it's like the tense conversation, which I really like. Um, but this is very different. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård plays her husband and he is so hilarious in this movie. I know that's so weird to talk about how funny this is, but it really <laughs> is. He plays this like, very cheesy evangelical man and um they both go to different churches and he's he also very clearly has a crush on his coworker, played by allison pill and doesn't know what to do with these sexual urges that he's having um and it's just he i didn't recognize him for about 60 seconds on screen and then i was like oh my god that is alexander skarsgård he's yeah. wearing glasses and like has this weird haircut and he's got his bible and um so it ends up being a lot about the religious aspects of the community they both go to different churches and their pastors want to minister to them but don't they're very inadequate at doing so um and they're sort of there's like a weird power struggle um strange really strange movie like again i, I laughed a lot in this movie tracy letts has a role in it uh, paul sparks is really good in it um it's, and I think he, so then there was a Q and A with Michael Shannon and he talked about like, yeah, I'm having trouble selling this movie, which I completely understand why the tone is so weird. It's like who, uh, what distributor wants to buy this? I hope someone does. Cause I, I want people to see it. Um, and it's based on a play actually from years ago. Uh, and yeah. So anyway, for all that, but the, the, the Q and A was fascinating. Michael Shannon is a really interesting person. It seems like he was kind of like reserved and shy and was like, I don't know. I hope you guys like it. And uh, it was just really funny to see him 
uh, talk about it and um, some of the creative decisions that went into it. So that was Eric LaRue. Uh, and then finally, I did see The Bike Riders. So this is the new film from Jeff Nichols, which again has now been delayed a year. So that'll be coming out next year. Um, so I feel very fortunate to have seen it. It stars Austin Butler and Jodie Comer and uh, Tom Hardy are sort of the central three characters in it. And the story is that there's a biker gang run by Tom Hardy. Jodie Comer's character sort of like has a run in with them and sees Austin Butler, who of course is incredibly attractive <laughs> and um, they ha- they fall in love. And there's, it's like the whole, you know, he's this rough guy who's in this gang that student thinks she doesn't love, but she also gets to know all these people and they sort of become like family and um, the tension between that. I got to do an interview with Jeff Nichols. They did a press junket thing. So I did a, if you go back in the podcast feed, you'll see there's an, like an hour long talk with me and some other film critic people talking to him. And he talked a lot about how the film is essentially good fellas. Like the structure of it is like learning about the subculture and some of the things that happen. Um, and the event was really exciting because they had, again, they had dinner after like open bar and it was like this big party and the motorcycles are there. And he talked a lot about um, the the links they went to to get period accurate motorcycles because uh, it's set in the 70s. It's based on a book. The book actually is like a journalism book about a biker gang. And it's like these true stories of people being interviewed and stuff. And it's mostly in just a few interviews and a lot of photography. So he had to like create a story around that because there's not really a story in the book. So that was all very interesting to hear about. The film itself played very well to the audience. I actually cannot react to it. I I, I believe it's under embargo still. So I'm not going to say my exact feelings about it. Uh, But I'll say it played very well. The event was very fun. And it was really interesting to hear what he said about the film afterwards. Um, yeah, I wish I could give some opinions about it, uh, but an enjoyable experience at the festival, I will say. Um, and I am excited for more people to see that next year. I actually really want to see it again. I, I won't say what my opinions are, but it's like, it's a movie that I like, oh, I'm, I wish I could watch this again right away to like solidify some of that. Um, anyway, the bike riders was the final thing that I saw at Filmland, And so that's a wrap on my festivals. All right. Well, I got uh, what's up next. You got Chicago, right? Yep. So I flew up to Chicago and stayed in Chicago a couple of nights. Um, And, uh, and because I was accredited as press, they also sent me some screening links um, to a few films. So all in all, I got in six, nine movies. So I I won't spend like 15 minutes on each movie talking or we'll be here all day. (laughs) So I'll just kind of buzz through The, the screening links that they sent me. Um, the first one was uh, called is a South Korean movie called In Water. Um, it's only about 60 minutes long, so it's a real short f- film, real low budget. Um, I it, not a lot happens in the movie. Um, it was very um, uh, kind of uh, was it? It was just trying some different things, and it kind of had towards the end. You you understand that it's kind of doing this like whole film within a film type of a deal so maybe it'd be up your alley <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, i i didn't really connect with it that much it was it was just kind of like an interesting like oh okay yeah like if i ever wanted to create a movie um like you know this would be a an easy way to start like if if you wanted to get 
started on a production, this is the kind of, this is where, you, this is where you would begin. Um, you know, cause like I said, it's a real kind of like, Hey, I've got this idea. Let me make a movie with it. And this is what you get. Um, kind of low budget, scrappy sort of thing. Exactly. There's only a handful of people in the whole thing. I think there's three or four characters in the whole movie. Um, and yeah, it just kind of shows the, the movies about the guy trying to make this movie he gets two of his friends to come to be in the movie with them and to help him make the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting enough. It, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't anything great or, you know, wasn't any kind of revelation, but it was just kind of a simple, interesting, real low budget story. Um, that, uh, but yeah, if, if you get a chance cool. to check it out, it's, you know, it wasn't the worst thing that I've seen this year. <laughs> Um, the second movie that I got to see with a screening link was called Blackbird, Blackbird, Blackberry. This is a film to take note of. And if you get a chance to watch it, um, whether it comes on like VOD or it probably won't get a, a much of a theatrical release because it is, I, I believe it is, um, George's submission to the Oscars, uh, not like the state, but like the small Eastern yeah. <laughs> European country. Um, and it is a real, um, it's a gem of a, of a film. It <laughs> follows this woman um, just to kind of give you the intro. <clears throat> she, she's out picking blackberries. She sees this blackbird. Okay. Yeah, whatever. But then like all of a sudden she like, she, she's like kind of up in the mountains or a canyon this area she falls down and like has to like kind of like scrape and crawl her way back up. Like, so, so basically she, she survives this like near death incident as she's walking home. She kind of has this vision. Uh, she crosses this bridge and she sees a bunch of people gathered around something. And she, she walks down there and it's her, she sees herself and it's like, this could have been the result if things had went poorly with that fall. Hmm. In other words, like a bunch of people gathered around my body, um, you know, and what have I done with my life type of a scenario. Mm. So interesting. So she, with this all happens within the first 10 minutes, she goes back. She owns this little like beauty skincare products shop in her town, a small little village in Georgia. Um, I don't know the name of it, but um, she sees this guy that she kind of likes. He's supplying her stock room with products. Um, another kind of older gentleman, probably in his fifties. Well, she just like goes into the stock room and he stands up and then she gets like kind of abnormally close to him <laughs> and like, kind of like reaches in like to smell him <laughs> At this point, I was like, what is going on? And then they just like, get it on and right there in the stock room. So she um, has like a near death experience and decides and to it, and live. Exactly. Literally. Like, she basically yeah. like in the story reveals that that was like, she loses her virginity right then and there. Like, oh, wow. And so the rest of the movie follows like their relationship. He's married, but he's not happy mm. in his marriage. It follows where they go and and how things progress but you know it it's 
that final shot, like there's it, it, there's kind of a, a long take of her at the end, that is, mm-hmm. it, to me, one of the best final shots slash, you know, sequences of any movie I've seen this year. Wow. It landed so hard. And I mean, this, this movie wasn't a, like a masterpiece or anything in my estimation, but just it's, it was more of a, more or less a character study, like, like kind of like perfect days I was talking about earlier, where you just watch this woman and you follow through her life and the things that she's going through, you get to understand her. And then that ending just like knocked me on my butt. Um, If you get a chance to check out Blackbird, Blackbird, Blackberry, um, it was a, delight i had no idea what to expect but that movie um really threw me for a loop uh the next uh screening link that i got to see was green border um a movie that um it's black and white and it covers basically a humanitarian crisis that is happening on the border of poland and belarus where these refugees are trying to get into the European, into the EU, into the European. You say it's a documentary or it's a narrative? No, no, no. It's it's based on some okay. events that are actually happening, but no, it's not. It's not presented in a documentary fashion. Um, so it, uh, it it's a tough watch. Uh, you see a lot of terrible things happen to people, including children. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know this won't this one won't be for everybody, um, but uh, but basically, yeah, it covers as these people trying to escape different places like Syria, um, Afghanistan. They try and get into the EU. Now you can fly into uh, Belarus, um, but you can't easily get into Poland unless you have like passports and different things that you know other you know, paperwork and red tape, whatever. So people will legally try and cross that border. And um, basically the movie covers this family um, trying to get into Poland and how these authorities on both sides of the border are tasked with finding these refugees and dumping them on the other side of the border. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, wow. they're in our, just, just get them back over now. Like, like basically like pushing the problem elsewhere. Like as long as they're not on our, pro- on our soil, like it's not mm-hmm. our concern. So it's wow. really pretty sad. Um, I won't say that it was like as powerful or as hard hitting as some other uh, kind of movies that, tell about humanity you know about those type of scenarios that are going on about like war and you know different different crises like that um it tried to be artsy fartsy with like the black and white and the cinema cinematography and stuff but just wasn't quite as as well composed in the way the story is told in some of the other movies that cover yeah. some of the same type of things, but it was still like kind of an important movie and, you know, harrowing because you just see some terrible things happening to people. It makes you real sad that stuff like that's happening out there. But 
Um, but yeah, that was Green Border. Um, and so that was the end of the movies that I got to see via screening link. I got to Chicago, and the first movie that I got to see there was uh, a National Geographic documentary called The Mission, um, which was a real fascinating um, movie about, uh, you, you basically follow the life story of this young man who is brought up, um, you know, with, uh, within a religious group. I can't remember if they say exactly what he is, but basically he's evangelical. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. And, uh, and one of his aspirations in life is to preach. He has this like almost uncontrollable urge to like go tell people about, you know, about Jesus, about, you know, the Bible. And, um, and so one day it kind of like gets into his mind. I can't remember how he finds out about it, but he ends up discovering these islands, uh, in the Indian ocean that harbor these protected group of native, you know, tribal people that nobody makes contact with them because, there's been rumors that they're like cannibals or that, you know, they just like people that come in contact with these people don't, you, you don't hear from them again. <laughs> there's a handful of people that have had encounters with them that are very few and far between. And the movie covers some of them. There's some interviews with some people that have had some close encounters with these people or that there's some video footage of them, like recording them from, like a boat, you can see some of these tribal people on the beach and you really get a sense of how secluded these people are and how like, almost like, you know, um, it's almost like a, like a, uh, I don't want to say like an adventure, but you, because there's the uncertainty of you don't know if I step onto that beach and meet one of these people, if he's just going to like kill me or not. It's, it's like this mystery. The mystery is a better word than an adventure. Um, yeah. Surrounding these people, what they're all about. And, you know, just because how, of how secluded they are. Um, and so there's like the, this long kind of buildup to the point where this guy wants to go meet these people and introduce them to the Bible and to Jesus. And, um, and so it's all based on a true story, but I found like, just as it explores the inner workings of this guy's mind through journals and through interviewing like people that knew him. And I I believe like his father contributed some Mm -hmm. written notes that are read for the purpose of the movie that I just found fascinating. Like I was kind of blown away by the mission, um, yeah, I'll mention briefly because I have seen this movie and I really liked it as well. And I actually did. I was a guest on another podcast talking all about this movie. Um, briefly, I'll just say I didn't realize until after I'd watched it. It's the same filmmakers that made Boy State a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Another documentary I really loved. Um, yeah, and it's just fascinating. Like his father's his father like wrote a letter to the production and they have an actor yeah. reading it. And they have an actor reading uh, John Chow's journals. The guy, yeah. young man who I don't know if I should spoil the ending of this movie. Um, I don't know if you already said or not no, what happens at the I end mean, of this. I'm going to withhold that at least. But yeah, <laughs> yeah if you sure. can Google all about this guy, but the way yeah. the movie is presented is really fascinating to understand yeah. the man that was willing. Yeah, when you talked about it, 
the word adventure and i just thought like they that he had the sense of like wanting it was an for him it was an adventure and so it kind yeah. of gets into the psyche of like yeah. a person who would want to do this yeah. um and it's so much uncertainty his father feels as if he was radicalized yeah, by this yeah. church that he started going to go to and it was very interesting for me because i actually was a missionary for a while and a lot of the stuff he's talking about I at one time believed and it was just very familiar. So I talk all about that on this other podcast, which I don't think is published yet, but as soon as it is, I'll put a link out to it. Uh, But yeah, fascinating film. And and I really liked it as well. Absolutely. Um, So after the mission, um, I was just kind of getting my bearings for the Chicago festival. And I figured out like there was like some drama that I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to get just because I was accredited (laughs) as press. Wasn't sure if I was going to be able to even get into some of the movies that they were showing, I thought I was just like, oh, I'm credited as press. I can come and go as I please into whatever I want. (laughs) No, that's not how it works. Um, So I ended up choosing to go to just see a movie outside in the theater, like as opposed Mm -hmm. to, to give me enough of a buffer to, uh, because I was gunning to see Zone of Interest that first night Mm -hmm. that I was in Chicago. So I just went to see Dumb Money. um, Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it was fine. Like I, you know, I'm not writing home about it. It was an interesting story about the GameStop deal, but um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't technically a part of the festival. So I'll just like you, yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. already covered that in another podcast. So yeah, I did a podcast uh, on it. I liked it a lot too. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. It, was, I mean, it was a good movie. I was entertained, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it was fine. Um, but then yeah, I was able to contact some A24 people that absolutely hooked me up. Uh, Because I would have been devastated to fly all the way to Chicago and not see Zone of Interest. But I got to see Zone of Interest that first night. And uh, what a movie. It's hard to to talk about the Zone of Interest without kind of giving away everything that there is to the movie. Because (laughs) there's not a lot to the movie. Hmm. Um, It's more about the experience. You know, Hmm. just like you can walk through the hallways of the Holocaust museum and just kind of like that experience, even if you're not doing all the reading, you know, just Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, when you walk through by like these rooms that are just full of shoes that people wore, Mm -hmm. you, you just kind of get that sinking feeling of like how much human suffering was involved in what you are witnessing yeah. And that, yeah. I guess, more than anything, is is what um, I took away from the zone of interest. It is not a feel-good movie. You will be uncomfortable through this film. It was not an enjoyable time at the cinemas. But just like, you know, those are important things to kind of like know about and understand. And in, in just in human history, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the atrocities that people are capable of inflicting upon each other is just gut-wrenching but just to kind of like simply set up the premise for the zone of interest you are following um this family of germans that it's it's an officer one of the um one of the camp officers um and his family they have a house that is situated right outside of the exterior wall of one of the concentration camps. And so you go, you're following this family, this, this, the events of this family, the things that they are doing, 
um, just kind of living their life and they have a swimming pool and they have a nice little garden uh, where they grow their vegetables and just the, the normal everyday things that would have been life to people back in the 40s, you know, the 1940s. Um, you know, they had, you know, milk and butter and they're just eating and doing some of the normal things. But in the background of this film, throughout its entirety almost, while you watch this family, you can hear gunshots. And so the entirety of the runtime, you're, you're like this pit forms inside of your stomach and just kind of only grows as the film continues and you have time to process everything that is happening. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just a very unsettling film, a very kind of cut and dried. We're letting you sit in this situation and get an understanding of what all is happening. And uh, yeah, it was also, you know, it was a fascinating film, but at the same time, you know, just made you a little <clears throat> sick to your stomach. Let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. You've seen Under the Skin, the other Jonathan Glazer movie? Yeah, yeah. That one I just was so struck by, like, the style of. Is that the case for this as well? So, like so there are made? a few sequences, and I won't give away what they are. You eventually kind of pick up on it. There are some black and white sequences. I think it might be shot in, like, infrared or something because it's mm. it's shot in this, like, really weird um, – uh, with, a, with a really weird lens – and it isn't until later on in the movie that you understand why they're using that lens to capture mm -hmm. those sequences. But I will say that besides from that, it does, it does have like some of that real, I mean, cause, cause under the skin is like a super abstract, like kind of wild movie. Mm -hmm. um, it has some pieces of that kind of filmmaking in in zone of interest with those scenes that I'm mentioning as well as with um, the sound, the sound work mm. of this movie will blow your mind. It that was is, a case of skin to incredible sound design. Yeah, yeah. Like it just kind of hits in with some of these like, um, like blaring noises at times that you're just like, you know, kind of makes you sit up and, and pay attention. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, Zone of Interest is is an excellent movie um, to see. You won't want to watch it a bunch of times, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a yeah. very important movie, like especially from a historical standpoint. Wow. Um, it's one that I've been really anxious to see. So I'm hoping yeah, I can of catch it soon. But I think it comes starts coming out into theaters in the middle of December for like, you know, mainstream. Mm -hmm. Like when you'll start to see it pop, popping up into theaters near you. Um, and then that was that for Wednesday uh, on Thursday. Um, real quickly. So we don't spend like another 20 minutes here. Sure. I got to see two <laughs> documentaries. Both of them were fine. Um, the first one was called Because We Have Each Other. It's about this family in Australia that um, their kids all have some sort of um, disorder, basically, hmm, um, like mental disorders. 
Um, and, uh, and it basically follows the, the mother and the father, how they're kind of coping with um, their kids that are on the spectrum. And, you know, some of them have, um, you know, depression or suicidal tendencies. Um, but, you know, so, but the, the mother and the father are working with their kids and sometimes they're super stressed out and, you know, life is getting to them and it's like so hard. Um, but, uh, but in the end, you know, like it, it kind of hit at the end, like, you know, just to have each other in this mm-hmm. universe of nothingness, but here we have our family still, even when it's hard. Um, you know, it, it was, cool. it was a nice, it was a nice, uh, a nice movie that I, you know, I think, well, especially like for, for you and me that have kids that are on the spectrum or that have, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some issues that you can connect, connect with a little bit better on some of those. Points. Yeah. I kind of perked up when you described it. I was like, Oh yeah. It sounds like my life. Yeah. <laughs> I should watch that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds interesting. But, um, but yeah, it's called because we have each other. Um, and then the next one was called pictures of ghosts. Um, this is a movie that I didn't, I wasn't fascinated by. Um, it was interesting from the, from the perspective of this, this guy that it's uh, Brazil. I think they submitted it to the Oscars, but I don't know if it's, Brazil's official selection, uh, but it's from the town of Recife. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Recife, um, which is one of the easternmost cities in Brazil. So it's on the on the Atlantic Ocean, and it covers this theater. And this guy that lives in the town, uh, because he's like he used to just take video. Anytime and every time he could, he would just be recording. He would go visit the theater and he would go watch movies there. And, you know, all through like the 70s and 80s, he's got all this footage of uh, the theater and people, you know, that worked there. And, um, you know, it was an interesting movie, um, but it didn't have like a strong central narrative theme. It was just more or less talking about how things have kind of evolved in this town. Um, the, the cinemas that he used to visit, there was several of them. I think there was like two or three. Eventually they got turned into other things and you go back and see, um, you know, the projection room and, you know, there was somebody left one of the old cameras there and it just kind of followed, you know, uh, the story of this guy telling about his town and how it's changed through the decades and, you know, the cinemas have come and gone and what things are like now. And, you know, it probably appeal a little bit more to the older audiences that, you know, appreciate the what changing cinemas times. used to be like and all that. Yeah, yeah, changing times and different things like that. But overall, I didn't connect to that one as well as I did to some of the other documentaries that I got to see. And then finally, the big one, the big one on Thursday night. <laughs> which they had a Q&A with the director, Emerald Fennell, oh, wow. after the movie was over, was Saltburn. I didn't know if I was going to get into this movie until about 20 minutes before it started. <laughs> wow. Just setting the stage a little bit, I believe you really loved Promising Young Woman, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Promising Young Woman was one of the first movies. It was the like the first movie that I ever technically wrote a review for. Oh, nice. Like that movie kind of kickstarted 
my film criticism and um, it was my favorite movie of the year that it came out. So I've been waiting for her new movie for quite a while and um, Saltburn uh, did not disappoint. I won't say I liked it as much as Promising Young Woman, but it is wild. Um, A lot of people were kind of split on Promising Young Woman because it is a little bit of a controversial film Mm -hmm. as far as like what happens to the characters and without spoiling that movie, uh, like how that story goes. But this movie is is more kind of of the same. Um, she is definitely like not pulling any punches as far as like mm. presenting things, even like twisted and perverse things that by most people's standards would would fall into those categories. <laughs> so she's just like putting it out there and uh, letting the letting the chips fall where they may. Um, this movie will be in theaters like within the next week, I believe, limited. And then I think by next Friday, it should be open wide. Um, and this movie will be talked about. Um, people will have their thoughts and opinions on Saltburn. I tell you that much. It is, uh, it is a trip. Um, Emerald Fennell continues her queen of the controversy um, title, um, even more solidifying it. The story is about uh, the the character uh, that Barry Keoghan plays. I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, but I love that actor though. Barry Keoghan is fantastic. Oh yeah, and he's he's he won't get a, a nomination um, for for this movie, uh, although he's amazing in it. Um, but he is a college student. Uh, Barry Keoghan plays Oliver. This is the year two thousand and six. He gets in and almost immediately he spots Felix, who is played by Jacob Elordi. Um, And he, you can see that he kind of like, you know, is is looking at this guy. You see him like kind of staring at him out like his dorm room window. He's um, Felix is out in like a courtyard and he's just kind of looking at him and then, Felix looks over and sees him looking at him until he like jerks back and hides behind the yeah. window. Um, so he kind of almost immediately like gets this obsession with this character. Um, and he ends up in a bar drinking with, with, uh, and Felix is at another table. He invites him over and they kind of start to become friends basically. And as the movie progresses and enters into the second act, you find out that Jacob Elordi, he invites Oliver, Barry Keoghan, to come to his house to stay with him for the summer, uh, you know, while they're, while they're on break from college. Um, you find out that he is fantastically wealthy. Uh, his father is Richard E. Grant, and he is not just like Richard E., uh, not just what's his name um in the movie anyway he is a sir so he's like some sort of or like a knight sir james yeah is his name um he is like some sort of like royalty or you know like something Mm -hmm. or other um and then his wife is rosamund pike um and their family are in this estate that is called saltburn and 
it is incredible. Like this is mansion of mansions and you know, like Richie riches, <laughs> like looks like a, <laughs> looks like a, uh, you know, ragamuffin compared to this, this family's lap of luxury. Um, and so Barry Keoghan is, you know, gets to meet his family. And from there, the movie really starts to get into, um, like there's, there's another friend of the family that's visiting who is, let me see, his name is Farley, um, played by Archie, uh, Medelki. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, uh, but Farley is one of the friends, um, that you, you really don't quite know anybody's intention. Like, uh, the, the, the rich, the rich kid, Felix, um, you know, they're just hanging out by the pool. They're having parties. They're having black tie dinners. And then, you know, like, um, Felix's sister and Barry Keoghan's character, Oliver, and this other Farley kid, like they're all kind of playing mind games with each other. And you don't really know who's after what. Um, but obviously Barry Keoghan is the main character that you follow and you don't, you know, and it's not until the third act, uh, until almost the end of the third act, really, that you really kind of get the, the full clear picture of what all has been transpiring through the, through the course of the film. And, um, and it is savage. This movie is... <laughs> It is so I'm so tantalized by your description. Like I don't want to be spoiled, obviously. That's right. I'm not gonna give any more any more information about most of what you've said what? I've gotten from the trailer. Exactly, right? exactly. Like, like he goes to the estate. Yeah. People seem to be interested in each other sexually and it's not clear who is what and all yep. that. Um so I'm really excited to figure that out. Uh but exactly. Yeah. Like the, the the mind games that this movie um it, it is uh, without dropping swear words on your podcast, it is a mind F. <laughs> Um, okay. but it is, uh, it is a lot of fun and it will get people talking and, uh, just, you know, um, it, it was, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a wild ride. Um, that I'll, I'll, wow. I'm looking forward to going back to watch that movie again when I get a chance. It was a trip and a half. Dying to see that one. And, you know, my, so my film critic association votes basically first week of December. And yeah. so if I wait till the theater, it's going to be too late. So I'm hoping that we will get an early access because I really want to oh. see it before voting time, yeah. but we will see, but that's one of my most anticipated for sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds so fascinating. Thanks so much for sharing. I mean, about all your festival experiences, uh, and so many different movies. I mean, obviously you've seen like a lot of things lately and I'm really excited to, uh, and, and I, I know even outside of these festivals, you're watching a lot of stuff. So yeah. probably we'll do another end of the year kind of favorites of the year podcast with you and hear even more, but uh, I really appreciate your time on this. Remind our listeners where they can find you online. Uh, well, I am on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at movies Millers and I contribute to, um, movies we texted about um you can find some of my reviews on there if you uh, want to just go straight to my blog it is movies millers at uh movies millers dot cool and i will link to all of that in the show notes um 
always appreciate your time and I'll always appreciate, you know, just the, the amount of movies and the, the things you have to say about them. Uh, so really appreciate you coming on for this episode and I guess we can say bye-bye for now. Huge thanks to Russell for coming on the show for this long discussion about lots of different things. Uh, always a pleasure having him on. Stay tuned to the podcast. We'll definitely be doing some end-of-year stuff in a few weeks, and before that, I'll have at least one or two more film review episodes. So stay tuned. Uh, this time of year, again, watching tons of movies, so there will definitely be some things to chat about. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Arthouse Garage. We have a few years' worth of episodes now. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at the Arthouse Garage shop at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. <laughs> that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.